grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading we just heard in the Gospel of John. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, what a joy it is to be here on this day and to witness the amazing work you continue to accomplish in your church. We ask you, Father, now that you would visit us with your Holy Spirit by means of this word that our faith may continue to be strengthened and we would be bold and to follow you faithfully on this journey of faith all the days of our lives. Now, Lord, may the words of our, my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a really wonderful day here. That baptism was beautiful. What a joyful baptism. I've never had a bab baby that happy the whole time. That's, that's just wonderful. That's a thrilling baptism today. So congratulations to you and to Rhett. Uh, not only this, do we have this wonderful baptism, but again, as I mentioned, we have the confirmation today with six of our students being confirmed. And it's so wonderful to have these things on the same Sunday because really what happens in baptism is this. God makes a promise to a child or to anybody at any age when they're baptized. God makes a promise in which he says, you are mine, the blood of Christ was shed for you, and eternal life is now promised to you. That's what happens in baptism. In confirmation, the student stands up and they say, I believe all the gifts that were given to me in baptism are mine. And I confess before God in the world that what happened to me in baptism is true. And the God who baptized me is in fact my God. And so today we have baptism and the continuation of baptism. And it's just really this wonderful and exciting day. What a joy to be here at church this Sunday. And yet, there's something about Confirmation Sunday that is always a little bittersweet for me. Because as I come into this Sunday, and I believe this is now my 15th Confirmation Sunday, as I come into this Sunday, I always start to look back on the students that I've confirmed. And for many of them, this day is in my mind a cause for rejoicing because I can see where they are now, how they're continuing to serve in the church and they're continuing to serve God's people and the joy and the blessing uh, that they have become to the church and the joy and the blessing that the church has become to them. But I also look back and I see a number of students who haven't really made the course, who stood up and gave a beautiful confession before God and the church, but then for one reason or another have kind of veered off the path. They've begun to believe uh, the lies of the devil, I suppose. They have been tempted away by the world's temptations. But frankly, they just got bored and didn't really see the point of it. They just kind of stopped showing up to church. And so I see both of these. And so today can be kind of a bittersweet day for me. And I wonder sometimes if part of the problem isn't this. And this isn't like really the huge part of the problem. But, but I wonder if we don't really kind of do things the wrong way in the her uh, here in the church. And we talk about confirmation. Like part of the problem is we talk about confirmation and we treat it kind of like a graduation, right? Like you don't have to come to Wednesday night classes anymore. You're done with your classes and now you're going to come up front in front of everybody in a robe and receive a certificate. Uh, and this way, it really kind of looks like a graduation, like something is coming to an end. But confirmation is not the end of anything. It's the end of the Wednesday night classes here at the church, sure. But it's not a graduation from learning what it means to be a Christian. Rather, this is the day when the students are confessing that they're ready to go further up and further into the faith that they have received. That they're ready to dive deeper into the word of God that was given to them. And so this is not an end, really, as, it, as much as it is a beginning. So I think we need to stop thinking of confirmation like graduation. 
And we need to start thinking of confirmation as sort of the beginning of a journey. Think of it like this. A number of years ago, a couple of my friends, Paul and Cindy, they went on a very long hike. They did the John Muir Trail. Have you ever heard of the John Muir Trail? 240-mile hike. And they did this over the course of 24 days. Now, to prepare for this hike, they had to do a lot of work. Like, they had to adjust and change their diet. For example, they had to cut out coffee, which, by the way, is why I will never do the John Muir Trail. Yeah, 240 miles, fine. There's no coffee? I'm busy that day. Like, I can't go do that. It's not possible. Uh, So 240 miles, they get rid of coffee, all this kind of stuff. Uh, They also had to start changing their exercise routine. They had to start walking and hiking a lot more to get their bodies used to what they were about to endure for 24 straight days. They also had to learn about the John Muir Trail. They had to study maps and details and notes that other hikers had made so they'd be prepared for the hike. So there's a lot of work that went into the preparation for them starting the hike. That's what confirmation is. Confirmation is that preparation time. It's that time where the students who are already saved by the grace of God in the waters of baptism are learning what this faith is, learning what it is that they are getting prepared to confess before the world, and they're learning the truth that they're going to confess as they make their way from baptism to the resurrection of the dead. And so that's confirmation. But now Confirmation Sunday, that's confession they're going to make before the world that you, many of you here, have already made before God and before the world, That's the trail. That's where the thing begins. And now it's time to go further up and into the hike. It's time to see the beauty and the grandeur of the life that God has prepared for you while at the same time recognizing that it's going to be a difficult journey. There's going to be times of exhilaration and joy and times of sorrow and pain, times of celebration and times of loss and and difficulty. And so this Christian life It's a difficult one, but it's one that is saturated and guided by the word of God. And our students today are standing up to say, that's the life I'm going to be a part of. But as I mentioned, there are many who tend to veer off the path, and there are many who tend to wander. So our question today is, what are we going to do, or what is necessary to keep people on the path? What what do we need to do to, to protect ourselves from those temptations that would lure us off the trail and over the cliff? What is it that's necessary for us to stay on the straight and narrow, as the Lord says? Well, as we know, Jesus Christ has made a great promise to us. He has promised he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And he who has begun this good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. What we want to talk about today, then, is how it is exactly that the Lord does bring it to completion. What is it he is doing and what is it he is giving to us to help sustain us on this journey to the completion of that journey? And as we see today in our reading from John's Gospel, there are a number of gifts that the Lord gives to us. There are a number of things that the Lord provides for us to help sustain and help us persevere on this journey of faith. Jesus, in the uh, text today, is praying for his church. This part of John's gospel is called the high priestly prayer. And it's a prayer Jesus prays just before he goes to trial and is crucified. In the prayer, he prays for the mission he's about to go forth on. He prays for his disciples who are about to carry forth his word to the world. And he prays uh, for everybody who believes uh, because of their teaching. That is, he prays for us. But now, in the part that we heard from today, Jesus is praying specifically for his disciples, for the twelve. And he's praying for this ministry. And he's praying for them because he knows that they are about to endure. 
He knows the trials and the dangers that they are about to face. And he knows it firsthand because he himself has endured many of the same trials. See, Jesus is about to die. And when he's about to die on the cross, he's not just going to suffer the wrath of God for the sins of the world so that you and I would be forgiven, though he's most certainly going to do that. But he's also going to suffer at the hands of the world. There are those who hate Jesus and they want to see him dead because of the word he proclaimed. And Jesus knows that if he gives that word to his disciples, they're going to go forth and they're going to receive the same treatment. This is why he says the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So there's this hatred from this world. There's this dangerous path the disciples are about to set out on. It's the same path that you and I have been called to. And so the Lord in this prayer is equipping us with the things that we need to make the journey and so that we arrive, we might say, safely at home. So that there's at least three gifts that the Lord gives us in this text today. And there's many more, I'm sure, throughout the scriptures, but these were the three that kind of stood out to me this week. The first thing that the Lord gives us for this journey is he gives us the gift of his word. He gives us the gift of his word. The psalmist writes, Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The word of God helps us navigate our way on this journey of faith. My friends Paul and Cindy, when they went on their trip, when they went on the trail, they didn't just walk up to the trailhead and say, well, hope we find our way out of this one and start walking. Right? Like, guide. They had books and directions to follow, showing them which paths to take and what areas to avoid, which places were safer and which ones uh, were more uh, perilous. And so they followed the path that was laid out for them. This is what the scriptures are for us. The word of God guiding us through our lives in this world. Here in the scriptures, uh, the Lord teaches us to discern on this path truth from error. He shows us which ways to go and which ways to avoid. And the entire time on every single page, what the Lord is doing with this book is he is showing us Jesus. He is fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. And he is keeping our eyes focused on the Lord. Now, everything else in the world is trying to entice us away from this. Everything else in the world is trying to draw us away from this Jesus Christ. But Jesus gives us his word to keep us on the path. We are constantly pointed in his direction so that as we read about what the Lord has done for us, we receive the gifts that he gives. We learn that Jesus is our forgiver. We learn that Jesus is our savior. and We cling to that tightly as we make on this journey. So that's the first gift we have, the gift of his word, which guides us to Jesus throughout this life. But we would be fooling ourselves. Uh, we would be kidding ourselves. We would be foolishly proud and almost sinfully proud if we were to think that that's all we needed for this journey. Just me and my Bible and everything else can just kind of go away. All I need is the Bible and that's all I need because this whole life of faith is just about me and my personal individual relationship with Jesus Christ. Me and Jesus, that's all I need. That is wildly wrong. It is inaccurate. To be sure, Christ has saved each one of you individually. He has chosen you to be his own and selected you as an individual to be his child. But he has not left you alone in a closet with the Bible to figure your way out throughout this world. No. He has actually made you his own and in the waters of baptism brought you into the family of faith. 
This is not a relationship between you and Jesus alone, but we are all in this family together, united as one in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus prays this. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So here's the second gift. Christ gives you a family. We might say it this way. Christ gives you the church. And notice what Jesus says. Keep them in your name that you have given to me. Well, that's the name you received in baptism that Rhett received today when he was brought into the family of faith. He was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which means now he bears the family name. He is one with us, and we are one with him. And we need one another for this journey. We need to support each other and care for each other and pray for each other as we make our way through this path of faith. Paul and Cindy, when they were on their hike, they needed each other. They couldn't have done that alone. Together, they were able to enjoy the beauty and the grandeur of the John Muir Trail. And at the end of the day, after a long, trying hike, they could sit down and be satisfied together and smile at each other over what was accomplished. At the same time, when things got to be too difficult and overwhelming, there was one always there for the other to support them. When things got to be uh, to the point where one was so homesick they weren't sure they could go on, the other was there to be welcome company, to support them the rest of the way. They experienced the highs and the lows together. They rejoiced together and they wept together. And for them, it did nothing but strengthen their unity with one another. See, the Lord ha has given us the church for this reason. Now, the triune God has promised to be with you, to never leave you, never forsake you, but he's, almost, he's, uh, he's also promised to be in your midst here among the family. And he has given you brothers and sisters in Christ to care for each other. This is why we say so often around here we're called to care for everyone that God gives to us. The people you see sitting around you, these are the people God has given you to care for them, just as you are, they are called to care for you. So the church is here for us so that when like, we do go off the trail, when we do start to wander towards the edge of the cliff, we have a brother or a sister who can come along beside us and say, hey, it's time to turn around. You need to repent because you're about to die. Come back onto the path and receive the gifts of Jesus. Or when we're lost and terrified because we took a wrong turn and we're, and we're found in our guilt and our shame, we have a brother or sister who can come alongside of us and say, listen, listen, you're not so far gone. The Lord Jesus Christ has purchased you with his blood and he's died for you. He's not abandoned you. He's going to carry you back and they can preach that sweet gospel into our ears. We are here for each other to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep and to support and care for one another on this journey. The Lord God has united you to the church and he has brought you to his house where he gives you his word and sacraments. This place that is filled with, with the saints for the mutual support of one another and the proclamation of the forgiveness of our sins. As I'm going to tell the confirmation students in the next service, I mean, it's something, you know, it's good advice to give to the students, something we all need to hear. This is the reality we face, that on this journey you will be tempted to go off course. You're going to have times where you doubt. You're not certain of God's love. You're not certain of God's existence. You're going to wonder if any of this is true. 
There's going to be times where you're so full of sin and shame, you're not sure you're going to be welcomed back into the family of God. It's at those times, guys, I want to encourage you. Do not leave. Do not walk away. It's at that time that you need to come talk to me or you need to talk to one of the people that you see here around you to have them encourage you and pray for you and support you. We are far too weak on our own, and we need the support of the family of God around us. That's why Christ gives us the church. So as you look around, and I encourage you to literally do that, to look around at the people around you right now. Some of you are doing it. Uh, Some of these people are wearing masks. Some of them are not. I'm not pointing fingers or telling. It's fine. But the ones who aren't wearing masks, you'll actually recognize help. Uh, uh, These are the people God has given you to. And these are the people that God has given to you. Christ has called us all to care for one another and to love and support one another throughout this life. And if you need that support, it is never a shameful thing to come and ask for it. And at times, really the most necessary thing. And that's why we're here for you. That's why Christ gave you the church. So that's what we have so far. We have the Word, and we have the church. And one of the wonderful things that happens in our family gathering every Sunday when the community gathers here to hear God's word and worship one of the wonderful things that happens is that Jesus himself shows up and he shows up in a meal he shows up with a meal to feed us and nourish us in our faith the Lord Jesus shows up in the sacrament of the altar so that we can feast together in his presence and it's with this food that he delivers to us his very body and blood in the bread and wine it is with this meal that he gives us the sustenance we need uh, to take us on this journey. It's with the Lord's Supper that he delivers to us, yes, his real presence with his body and blood, and then the forgiveness of our sins that he purchased for us with that body and blood when he died for us on the cross. Jesus is present in that meal for you, to forgive you, to sustain you, and to carry you into life everlasting. We call this sanctification. It's this of, of sustaining and making holy that Jesus is performing so Jesus prays sanctify them in truth your word is truth in the sacrament that word that sanctifies us in the truth is the promise Jesus makes take and eat this is my body given for you take and drink this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins and that promise sanctifies and sustains us Paul and Cindy, when they were on their journey, the organization they went with provided daily meals for them. They would do their hike, and so they didn't have to carry 24 hours worth of food in their backpack. Uh, They would take their hike, and they would have stops along the path where little rations were set aside for them. People had volunteered to bring meals, and they would stop and find those meals, and those meals had all the nourishment they needed uh, to help them get to the next stage. Everywhere they went, this was provided. They didn't have to earn it or work for it. It was provided for them, really, as a gift. That's what the Lord's Supper is for you every week. As you're making your way on this journey, Jesus shows up, and he gives you all the food and all the sustenance you need for giving your sins and giving you his very body and blood, nourishing you and and sustaining you. And you need it. Because as we've mentioned, All of you here today are still sinners and will be on this path. And I am too. And all of us are weak. And we will never get to the point where we can survive apart from the forgiveness of sins won for us on the cross. But Jesus will never get to the point where he stops giving that to us. Jesus will never get to the point where he stops showing up with his word and his sacrament 
to forgive you and sustain you. It is because of this that he will carry you into life everlasting. So these are the things that you need for this journey. God's word, his church, and his sacraments. And by God's grace alone, Jesus Christ has given all of this to you. He's called you into the family, baptized you into his kingdom, forgiven you for all of your sins, and now sustained you into life everlasting. Today is a joyful day at our church because we're beginning to see, or we get to see a lot of the fruit of what Christ is accomplishing in this place. And it's my prayer that that fruit would continue to be born in our midst, that we would continue to go forth proclaiming this word in the world, relying on Christ, receiving his word, trusting his promises, and loving and supporting one another through whatever it is we face. May God grant this to us for the sake of his name. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, have mercy upon us and forgive us for all of our sins. We thank you that you do that regularly and faithfully. We thank you that you have called and gathered us into this family, and we pray that we would follow you faithfully all the days of our lives. Guide us on our journey, Lord, and carry us to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We thank you for this glorious day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.